Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Campionato di calcio italiano. Hello, good evening, good morning, Vito, and welcome along to the latest Sports Italian Football Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Connor Clancy, and I'm joined by my two pals, Vito Doria, is joining us from Monday morning in Australia. Vito, hello. Hello, Connor. Yep, just trying to keep awake for now, but we should be talking about some interesting stuff anyway, so that'd be more than enough. I'll be quizzing you with an interesting thing in just Mm. a few seconds after we say hello to... FIF's granddad, Kev Pogzelski. Kev, how are you keeping? I'm uh, suffering from cold and or allergies, youngster. You say youngster, Kev, but in, in about 40 minutes, I'm going to be a year older. What better way to bring in my birthday than speaking to you two beautiful people? Anyway, let's get on with this quiz, shall we? I've just got one quick question. The listeners can play along as well because I will answer it when we get to the, the relevant game. But can either of you tell me which Serie A side have played with the most Italians this season? And on the other hand, which Serie A side have played with the fewest Italians? I'll give you a while to think about it. Don't be too impressed to answer now. Anyone coming to mind straight away for either of those? That'll be Okay, right. So Vito, go speak. Yeah, I think um, I was going to go Juventus, but I think with a bit of muttering from Kev, I'm going to go Napoli now for the least Italians. No, you're you're not right. Kev, have you got an answer? Uh, I don't know whether it's going to be someone like Milan for the least Italians, but it doesn't. It's not. Yeah, it's, it's not. Um, but right, so you both, I guess, have a bit more time to think about it. And I will name the answer if you don't just randomly shout it out at some point in the other podcast. Anyway, let's get on with the game, shall we? Um, starting at the top, Juventus. Oh, no. Let's start Inter. They're top of the league. Kev, are you happy? Uh, I am, yeah. My prediction is at the moment still coming true. 
that uh, they'll uh, they'll win the league. I'm a little unhappy they wore their uh, away kit, but everybody's heard me moan about that for, for so, uh, two minutes and twenty four seconds. Two minutes and twenty four seconds of recording is all it took you to get your first granddad complaint in. Um, are we going to start with that? No, no. Let's just move on. Let's move on. Uh, right. I don't think we can, Kev. What, what's your problem? Spal wear blue. Inter's away kit is kind of between blue and white, so Inter wore black. No, I just I think you're the home side. The other team can wear their away. I think I just think it's disrespectful. To him. Well, you know, to your club's traditions. <laughs> I really do. And, you know, when you're talking about... Mar- <laughs> oh, you've got me now. But when you're talking about sort of marginal gains, surely playing in something that's more familiar to you is better. Do you, do you think Atalanta are better away from home this season? I don't think looking at the kit really comes into it anymore. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I do know. I think I think you should always wear your home home strip as and when you can. All right, uh, right there. That's the first of I think three granddad complaints on tonight's podcast. Mm-hmm. But anyway, let's get on with the football. Vito Lautaro Martinez scored two more again, and I mean, if you compare his form in front of goal to last season, he's he's a different player. Totally, uh, it'd probably be easy to say that. Change of tactics helps, especially the formation. Uh, playing in the forward pairing with uh, Romelu Lukaku has really benefited him enormously. And I think we've already talked about them two as a duo working superbly. This game in particular, though, was really another classy game from the Argentinian. Uh, two well-taken goals in the first half. And part of me... And he probably should have added another two more in the second, especially when Lukaku sent him one-on-one with Etrit Berisha. But he probably tried to be a bit cute and Berisha stayed on his feet and took the ball off for the Argentinian. Well, if you look at it, Kev, Inter have two players with more than eight goals in the first 14 games of a Serie A season for the first time since 2001-2 when... Vieri and Calon both scored that many goals apiece. And these two have what it takes to fire Inter all the way through to the end of the season. Yeah, when I was looking at it, I was, I was trying to work out whether it was, you know, just Icardi's absence that had kind of prompted this, not turnaround in form, but this sort of surge in improvement under um, Martinez. And I think it's a little bit of, it's a little bit of, He's had a little bit longer now in Syria. You know, he's probably more comfortable. Maybe he's moved into a permanent home and, you know, everything else. They clearly click. I think we all saw the uh, the social media post where they, they rocked up in the same T-shirts, him and Lukaku. Um, he's clearly got a partner that works for him. I didn't and, see uh, this, actually. Did you not? It was on Lukaku's social media. And uh, he, he wrote in, I believe in English, it was... I knew we got on on the pitch, but like this is unbelievable or something. And they were both wearing yeah, black, that's the one. a Rottweiler's face on it. They both rocked up at the game <laughs> or it or maybe it was a training in the week. And they had they bought both the same, I imagine, designer T-shirts from somewhere in Milan. Um, and yeah, I think that's I think that combination um, has, has got him really, really far. And he's looking he's looking phenomenal at times for uh, for into this season. 
Yeah, it really is. And the, the two of them together, like you said, we've spoken about Lukaku quite a season, but Lataro is someone who definitely deserves credit. Vito, do you think it was it was Mauro Cardi that was kind of holding him back last season? And now Lukaku, Lukaku sorry, is just a bit more accommodating of him? Hmm. I, I think to a degree you could say that Icardi's presence was holding him back, but I would blame, say, Spalletti's system more than anything else. I just don't think that while Icardi was there, that Lautaro was really going to fit in perfectly into that 4-2-3-1 that Spalletti uses. The only way perhaps those two could have functioned regularly would have been if Spalletti had had changed his formation altogether. Uh, this formation with the three five two under Conte, I think it suits both Martinez and Lukaku. So instead of having to say play on a wing or play behind the lone striker, Martinez plays in a role that's going to bring the best out of him and make him an asset to the side. Kev. Inter have won 12 of their first 14 games. They've never managed that before. How far can they go? Um, well, I think, um, it obviously, it has to not end, but I think they will They will stumble. Um, I don't think they have maybe got to worry about Juventus going on a sort of similar run, but that's clearly what must be in Conte's mind and what sort of pushes them on to make sure they can you know, keep keep pace with them. I think Juventus are slightly weaker this year, so maybe they're both drop points, particularly over the, the festive period or when um, Champions League knockout, providing maybe Inter don't get through and, and Juventus do. Um, but yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's Conti's probably driving force that's that's making them turn some of those games where last year under Spalletti they drew they drew a few. Um, yeah, and they've got that uh, that resilience to to get the jobs done. Yeah, you look at the table and there is only one team who haven't lost a game yet this season, and that is Vito. They did draw, though, on Sunday afternoon against Sassuolo in the early game. It was 2-2. Not a result that many people will have seen coming. No, not at all. I don't think this is the best Sassuolo that we have seen since they've come up in the 2013-2014 season, but they did show some... Flashes of brilliance against the Bianconeri. And uh, they did well to hold on to the result, especially when you consider that the youth team goalkeeper Turati made his debut and had an outstanding one at that. Yeah, he was he was really, really good. What age is he? He's 18, right? And he yeah. pulled off an incredible save from a Cristiano Ronaldo free kick. And afterwards, Kev, the first thing he wanted to do Call his mom. How how lovely. Yeah, absolutely. It was. I I couldn't. I only saw highlights of this. I didn't see why Consigli was out. Was it injury suspension? Um, oh, no. Idea, but yeah, for for the for the young lad to come in and he's sure, injury. Be at, uh, be at the uh, the Juventus Stadium and to put in a performance like that um, was phenomenal. You know, no no wonder he'd call his family and friends. Um, and it, I dare I say he was probably a little bit emotional when he got back and was. Um, congratulated by a lot more of the, the playing and coaching stuff. Yeah, it was quite funny because you saw the the thing in England, was it today or yesterday, when uh, West Ham drew at Chelsea? And 
they had a 33-year-old goalkeeper making his debut at Stamford Bridge, and he was seen hugging his father in the stands afterwards. And then we go and see this in Italy. It's quite a, a weekend for emotional goalkeepers, but it's great to see. Um, should say, Thoracti did nearly do a boo fight later on, though. Ramsey had a shot that he let kind of squirm over him, and he desperately clambered back to get it. Kev, that would have been heartbreaking had it got in, not only for him, but for Inter and most of Serie A as well. Yeah, particularly as it would have been the, the winner. You know, you just you just think of the pendulum swimming swinging in completely the other direction. He probably would have been leaving the uh, the pitch in tears and not wanting to speak to his mother for <laughs> some time. Yeah, well, at the other end, Buffon did have a clanger. Um, wasn't really helped by Matthias Delict. Vito Delict kind of swung at a, a, a back pass to him, played it straight to Francesco Caputo. Caputo shot and. Like the Buffon really, really should have saved this, but he didn't. It somehow found its way through him and squirmed over the line to give Sassuolo what was a two-one lead at the time. No, it was not a ideal moment for the lead to Buffon and even Quadrado early on in that build-up. So three Juventini made clangers in that moment, made some bad errors, but unfortunately, the lead. Uh, after having a couple of impressive games, uh, this particular game was back to square one in a way. He had one of those poor games, and you could, and he was probably responsible for both Sassuolo goals with his um, decision making and yeah, lack of experience in those moments. So not very ideal for Juventus and Delict in particular. There was a really nice stat to come from this game, actually, which is Juventus Sassuolo is the match between the youngest goalkeeper, Turati, and the oldest goalkeeper, Buffon, in the current Serie A campaign. 23 years separate them. Almost my entire lifetime, which is absolute madness. Another thing, actually, Leonardo Bonucci scored. Him and Sergio Ramos, the only two defenders to have scored two or more goals in the last seven campaigns. Kev. Bonucci scores goals and even though he's quite clearly flawed it's one of the reasons he's so important to Juve Yeah it was a wonderful strike and I think when we um, reflect on Delic's error for the for the goal with um, Chiellini out at the moment it's even more important that you know he's there alongside someone as inexperienced as Delict. but uh, you know he keeps on keeps on popping up at the moment for, for Juve can we take a minute to talk about Jeremy Boga's goal? I think it opened the scoring. Right? Oh my goodness, what a finish that was! He was so calm. It was a it was a really nice finish, but I kind of had marked down Buffon as a bit of a. No, he went down very early. Not not early, but it just he just yeah. looked like doing things that he wouldn't do usually. Yeah. That he would, would keep himself bigger. I oh, know that was delightful, and I, I marked him down at the start of the season in my, my season preview as one, one to watch for Sassuolo because he showed real signs of you know that technique and his sort of directness, and he scored some two other wonderful goals already this season. It was lovely because it wasn't just a dink; it was a scoop. You know, almost the technique that he had to if Buffon had stayed on his feet or you know or just stayed bigger for longer. I think it still would have beaten him. That's how good the, the finish was. Remaining yeah, positive, brother. No, um, you need to do that. I was trying to be, and you spoiled it on me. Go on. Do you, do you not see 
the inclusion of the likes of Buffon and Emre Chan and these, um, if we like, if we call them squad players, as a bit of an issue from for, for not necessarily Juventus. So you've got a coach in Mario um, Maurizio Sarri who rarely rotated at Napoli or at Chelsea, and I kind of wonder whether he's almost forced to uh, incorporate this huge squad they've got. And when you're talking about the the unusual or the unexpected nature of Sassuolo taking points off them at home, if you look at it from the opposition view, if I was to see the team I'm playing, very much playing some squad players, particularly a 41-year-old goalkeeper, oh. it would spur me on. It would get an extra sort of 10, 15%, whatever you want to call it, out of me. And I think it's it's slightly counterproductive if you're trying to rotate these players I kind of see that to a point but also I disagree with it because Sarri has probably learned from his mistakes with both Napoli and Chelsea everyone pointed to the fact that he never rotated with Napoli and that's probably why they didn't win Serie A right because when Ancelotti came in all of his players that weren't deemed good enough under Sarri were doing quite well Zielinski is one of them Marco Rog, did he do well for a bit last season under Ancelotti? I can't remember. Anyway, there were no. a few of them. And Ancelotti is, or Sarri is probably trying to learn from that, as well as, like you say, having to play some of these players like Buffon. I think Sarri has made mistakes in the past, and you've seen his teams um, slow down towards the end of the season, whether that's because of a lack of rotation. But I, I believe this is an Alex Ferguson quote, and I hate to quote Sir Alex. But it was uh, something along the lines as you can't you can't win the league at the start of the season, but you can lose it. And it was very much based around, you know, that consistency, a bit like um, I suppose Juventus and Inter are doing at the moment. You pick up as many points as you are. So when you come the other side of Christmas, you're still in you're still in striking distance and then you can you can rotate as your cup commitments get uh, get heavier. Right. But Juventus haven't actually lost the game yet. And. Any other season, they'd probably still be quite comfortably top because they've only drawn three times in 14, which isn't too bad. So I do think they'll be OK. The Emre Chan thing's quite interesting because he's obviously quite openly not happy there and wants to leave. So playing him seems odd because is he fully committed to Juve? I mean, you could kind of understand if he perhaps wasn't, especially given he was left out of the Champions League squad and that. But I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, Buffon's 41. He's not the goalkeeper he used to be, but he can still probably do a serviceable job as a second-choice goalkeeper for most of the season. He's going to have his moments like he did today where he's not always at his best, but I don't know. It's hard to really read too much into it, I suppose. If it happens again, I'll bring it up with you, Kev. But Lazio beat Udinese 3-0. Oh my God, he's, he's a freak, and Vito, there's nothing more we can really say about him. No, well, he's up to 17 goals for this season. And it's quite an incredible run that he's having. Uh, he only needs 12 more to equal his highest uh, tally in Serie A of 29 in a season. So I'll, at this rate, I'd be extremely shocked if he didn't get over 30 because he's been in phenomenal form. And if Lazio are to maintain third place in Serie A, he needs to keep on scoring. Simple yeah, as that. He, he does, and he probably will, especially with the service of Van Helker or 
Joaquin Correa. Sorry, I'm thinking about Atletico Madrid a little bit too much this weekend. But especially with Milinkovic Savic and Luis Alberto as well, he's probably just going to keep having chances and by default keep scoring. But Kev, Udinese are really, really bad. Oh yeah, they're, they're terrible. There was no, <laughs> there was no, uh, no surprise that they conceded three goals. Um, I think a lot of us tipped them as the um, one of the sides that would maybe go down with two of the promoted um, teams this season. Um, the, the two penalties they conceded were just laughable. Um, how they can complain because the players were almost already on the floor. You could argue that um, Correa waits for the trailing leg, but they're laying, they, you know, they're sat down pretty much just dangling their leg out there. Why wouldn't you go over it? It just surprised me that Immobile was on the pitch and Alberto took the last uh, last penalty. It was quite charitable, wasn't it? I think sometimes there's, I've heard of teams that have a first and second penalty taker because then the goalie may guess because they've already taken, you know, they've already had the opportunity to face one of the kickers. But I don't know, something in the back of my mind recalled Immobile hitting two penalties in the same game. So He took two against. Atalanta in the same end of the season, if I'm not mistaken. But I could have just made yes. that up. I don't know. Uh, Vito agrees while Kev sneezes. Um, nice teamwork there, guys. We'll move on from this. We spoke a bit about Lazio last week after I saw them. To the other side of the city, Roma went up to Verona and they, they won 3 1. A big game. It wasn't easy for them, Vito, but they got the points as they are tending to do this season and they're still fourth. Yep, they're still, still putting in a very good fight for a Champions League spot. Fonseca's still getting his uh, squad rotations or inclusions right. And although they they almost uh, lost the points at the end because I think it was Pazzini that had a chance at the end to nearly make it 2-2, they still had the mental strength to keep going and score in the end thanks to Henrik Mkhitaryan. So, you know, having someone like him back in the team goes to show that this Roma team has options within the squad. And uh, although it's early days, Fonseca is utilising them properly. They do have options within the squad, Vito. You're exactly right. And Kev, they, they most certainly have options in the squad to wear the captain's armband. But you weren't too happy with one of the wearers of that armband in midweek. Chris Smalling had it on in the Europa League and you complained. I just I just find it quite surprising that uh, any new arrival, be them uh, Italian, non-Italian, um, demands that much uh, respect straight on. Particularly considering uh, Smaldini, as Vito has just flashed up on our screens, um, <laughs> You know, it hasn't really um, got a long uh, career behind him. You know, it, it's not, you know, say, uh, I can't remember if um, Daniele De Rossi got handed the Boca armband at some point after arriving, but he's, you know, he's in his late or mid 30s. You know, he's had a Kev, small amazing 30. Chris yeah, and he spent most 30. of that play at the start of his career. He's, you know, and then he was struggling at Manchester United. It's not. He's not on the Manja Vidic who came in from United and went to Inter. Right, fair point. Who 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 was who was United's club captain for a, a, a you know a number of years? Just it just surprised me more than annoyed me. 
if you're going to go on the granddad ramp uh, train. I'm like, I called you granddad there, actually. You, you, you said that word. What? Do you want a bit of positivity? Uh, um, yeah, why not? Pellegrini's ball for uh, Justin Cliver was wonderful. You loved it. It was very wet in Verona. <laughs> and when you you watch this looped ball up and the amount of backspin he puts it, if you can watch the slow-mo, like they only showed it a couple of times, watch the ball and the, the direction of the spin on the ball that allows it to sort of stick for Clivert to to get hold of it and then take his shot and get a little bit lucky that it squirmed under the goalkeeper. Yeah, it was a, a beautiful, beautiful piece of work. As again, sneezes, but excellently reached across to mute his microphone as that happened. Um, Vito, Rome are quite good, and Justin Cliver and Diego Perotti both scored. Perotti got his first goal of the season. The goals are being shared around quite nicely. Are they the real deal for once, or are we just going to wait until April and then they'll collapse again? Unfortunately, I think it's the latter because I've noticed this quite a few times with the previous coaches they've had. So, um, you know. In a way, we've seen it with Spalletti, but we saw it with both Rudy Garcia and Eusebio Di Francesco. So I'd like to think that Fonseca has done really well because especially after the fiasco with De Rossi being forced not, not getting a contract extension and then Totti leaving as a director, it seemed that, you know, at least they lost the heart and soul of the club. So that Roman embodiment sort of, caused a bit of controversy and there have been quite a few changes to the squad as well but uh, no so far so good for Fonseca and he's had to deal with an injury crisis as well and they seem to be over the worst of it at that stage but uh, yeah definitely uh, around March, April I think that's when we'll get a true indicator of where this team stands under Fonseca and then of course Next year, Fonseca will also have to show that he can shake off the second-year blues. So, yeah, Roma, they're one of those teams that they can sort of disappoint, but at the same time, they're intriguing in their own unique way because they are a fine team to watch on their day, and that's been the thing for many years, but they can have some really off days too. What do you think, Kev? Are, are this Roma a new Roma? Um, yeah, I hope so. I think it... Um... It shows that they've made the right appointment in coach because they didn't. He's one of those coaches that knocked around Ukraine for a while, and I don't think anybody, you know, they they weren't. You're never really sure with the leagues that are um, thought to be uh, lesser quality than the one you're in. Um, but yeah, considering how deep Francesco struggled last year with what are a lot of the same players, I mean, hopefully it could prove quite a uh, Quite a good season for them. I'm just a little concerned for the Rome derby at the end of January as I'll be in the the capital. And the last time that Lazio and Rome were a couple of points away from each other in 2018 and going for the Champions League, they produced the most dour nil-nil draw because uh, neither side really wanted to throw away the advantage to their neighbour. So hopefully there's a little bit of gap which makes for a better contest than I saw. Yeah, I'll probably be there too. So you would hope so. Um... Yeah, let's both hope for a minimum of four points to be separating them one way or another before that game. 
takes place. Kev, you were telling people to go and watch the highlights of this game, but shouldn't you issue some sort of warning if they are to go and watch this game and see what the teams were wearing? Yeah, Roma were in their away kit, why? They were exactly, exactly the same reason, Inter. Verona playing blue. There is no need to toss your, toss your club colours aside for a marketing opportunity. Yeah. It was a dark blue, Kev. It wouldn't have yeah, been a dark red. red. You're playing dark red, crimson, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> Not having it. What's, what about the modern world annoys you the, the most? World. Oh, let's not go into the modern world. Uh, just right. as, you know, football. <clears throat> I understand the need to commercialise, but I would argue that no Roma fan is wearing or is purchasing that kit because they see the club wear it more often. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Do not think. No. You know, I see kids wearing goalkeeper kits and away goalkeeper kits because they're an interesting colour or a nice design. And usually, you know, traditionally you would think you know, a small child or a young adult is going to buy their club's home shirt. It's often based on design or just people just do it out of, um, you know, doing it year on year on year. Mm. You know, I, I was a, when I was a kid, I had every Liverpool home and away shirt every season till I probably got to the age where I was realised how much it was hitting my pocket. Um, <laughs> and so I don't think actually how often they wear it has a significant impact. It's a nice kit though, isn't it? It's okay. All of those kits, and I to give them some credit for that. But all right, are you finished? Yeah, you shouldn't have started me. I think that's the last <laughs> of your complaints that we've got scheduled this week. Uh, um, I, didn't, I didn't get onto the VAR delay, but anyway, that was just too long. No, we're not going to get into that. Come on, let the let the other people on about VAR. We're not doing that this week. 
let's come up even further north than, than me in Parma to Lombardia, where first Lombardia derby in 13 years, the first in 14 years in Serie A happened. It happened in Brescia, where Atalanta never win. They've only won once before this weekend, but Atalanta went to Brescia, Vito, and they embarrassed them. The Rams beat the pigs, and Atalanta left with a 3 0 win. Yeah, um, yeah, probably one of those rare moments, at least from a historical sense, where you'd think that uh, Atalanta would beat Brescia in Brescia comfortably, and they did just that. Uh, instead of uh, Papu Gomez, or one of the strongest chipping with the goals, uh, Mario Pasalic was the unlikely hero of this game, and uh, he got a really neat brace and probably could have even got a hat trick as well. So. Yeah, it's good to see that, uh, you know, uh, Atalanta can count on other guys to chip in with the goals and become heroes, yeah, especially well, in a local derby. This was one of those games where it was 3-0, which is quite a big margin in a, in a derby. But Kev, it could have been 30-0 and it would have been a fair result. Yeah, the um, the, the Brescia side look, look, look like they're struggling at the moment and... A very have been very poor all season, really. You've got the fans calling for Carini to come back. Um, yeah. Rosso is obviously very inexperienced. Um, you've had the, the Balotelli issue of late, which I think is also um, part of how poor Brescia are playing because then everybody looks to him um, to sort of be the, the match winner, even though obviously Donnarumma scored a, f- a few goals in this season. Uh, and it can't also help um, Tonelli who um, obviously people had high hopes for this season and with the, the team playing very poorly, it's like, you know, they, the extra weight is put on their shoulders. And um, whether you can or can't deal with it, I think it's just a, a not very conducive atmosphere. No, well, it does look like Eugenio Carini is probably going to be returning to Brescia, to the Rigamonte. It, Fabio Grosso is probably going to be out of a job by the time a lot of people hear this after coming in for, what, three games, conceding 10 goals, scoring none. Vito, you've got to look at the this Brescia squad. I think beyond, what, Balotelli, Tonali and Donnarumma, it's not a squad that's fit for Serie A. Uh, with all, yeah, with all res- due respect to yeah, the rest of the squad, I don't think they're really up to scratch, to be honest. Uh, yeah, the midfield in particular looks weak. I think uh, Tonali is the clear standout. I think Dimitri Bizzoli is a decent enough player. Rommel does bring experience, but they could really have better players. Um, Spalek is one guy who was a regular in Serie B. Uh, hasn't played under Grosso, but when I saw him play under Corini, I don't think he was particularly influential. Uh, Chistan is a decent young defender, but the rest of the defence don't really... Oh, much quality. And uh, without Balotelli and Donnarumma, they don't have uh, decent backup options up front. Torre Grossa was good in Serie B, but he's been unfit most of the time. And whether he can adapt to Serie A level football, that's a different story. And then if you've got Aya, who's from the second division in France, that's not a good sign, you know, recruiting guy from there. And then Matri. I mean, if you have him on your books now then you've really got issues. <laughs> it's nice to keep up with 
match rewatch. So to be fair, we should make that a a segment after every transfer window closes because he, he's always about. He likes to mix it up every once in a while, but he just he's always in Serie A somehow. He's not been a Serie A level striker since about 2010, but there he is. Kev, are you happy to hear about Alessandro Matri? Yeah, I just it just tickled me then for a, for a moment. It, you know, I was I was about to say he might pop up and score the winner to keep them up, but I don't think they're going to stay up. So <clears throat> maybe he'll pop up and score the own goal that sends them down. Yeah, well, at this rate, he'll, he'll probably pop up for I don't know Hellas Verona and relegate them or something because you wouldn't be surprised to see him move out again in January. But anyway, um, so focus on Atalanta because what a week for them. They've been a bit patchy of late. But they got their win after getting their first ever Champions League win in midweek. And this is huge. You saw how much it went to the fans, although only 24 actually made the trip because of the protests. Um, thousands went out to Zingonia to welcome them back to the training complex after the game. As we've seen Atalanta fans do so many times in recent seasons, it was, it was dark. So they got the flares out, the flags out, they were singing. Have, I don't know if you guys saw... Martin Daron posted a, a video on Twitter and Robin Gosens posted it on Instagram as well of him trying to drive away from the training centre and the fans were just shaking his car to the point where all of the players were being shaken from side to side and you could understand maybe being fearful but the five guys in the car, I think it was Freuler, Gosens, Castagna and Hattaboy as well are tears laughing. It was amazing. And it, there's just something special about that fan base when they celebrate these wins like this. And given how much better they are than Brescia lately, I mean, let's admit it, they're playing in the Champions League. It is quite nice, Kev, to see them celebrate these derbies in that way. Yeah, and I think uh, when we thought that Atalanta might have a little bit of a, a drop-off domestically because of their European exertions this season, that's the sort of support that is going to help them sort of maintain, not their, their playing levels, but sort of that support behind them can keep them in touch in distance to make a dart for the Champions League places again, when we probably expect them to be out of Europe um, during, what, the last couple of months of the season. I'm glad you said in the last couple of months of the season and not in the next couple of months, because I would have taken exception to that, to be honest. But look, they've had a dip recently right everyone's been talking about how they've been struggling and they have they've lost a couple and drawn a couple in their last five but they're still seven points better off than they were at this point last season they're still only three points off fourth place and Vito they just keep doing this and it's not a surprise anymore right they're a good team especially in this Gasparini era they just look like they've gone up a completely different level. And, you know, just touching upon a tweet you posted up, I think it was after the victory against Dinamo Zagreb midweek, just before then, you know, I think it was Sergio Raya was the coach before Gasparini, just the football was rather dour, very insipid, and they had just survived relegation, especially that dip they had in the second half of that season. And then Gasparini... Um, he's transformed the way they played, given the squad an actual playing identity, and it's not just a fluke. Um, this is his third season at the club, and they're still performing wonders. And 
you know, big credit to Gus for the way he's utilised his players, but also to the president, Podcasti, for running the club that he has. And the club is, well, yeah, doing well. Well, new stadium for starters, but they've been able to deal with all these squad changes that they've had last three seasons. And uh, you see with teams like Atalanta, not just in Italy, but in other leagues, you know, like the Spanish League, EPL, even the Bundesliga too, that these so-called smaller clubs, when they do compete in Europe, the league form is sacrificed enormously. But this time around, they look, um, yeah, they look much better. Well, that's why it's so impressive to me, you know, is they've sustained this because Gasparini is now in his fourth season. He's had three full yeah, seasons fourth, and he's yeah. qualified for Europe in each of those seasons. He's finished fourth once and third one. It's remarkable that he's still got them doing this when you consider exactly that. When he took over, Atalanta were the most turgid team in Serie A. I'm pretty sure it was the season before Gasp came in that what they went 15 or 16 games without winning and just about stayed up. They were playing with German Dennis as a lone striker. Gaetano Monacello came in in a few games towards the end because Dennis just couldn't run. They were playing with 10 men behind the ball. And now Gasparini's got them playing one of the most, I don't like to use this, but, but attractive brands of football in Europe, not just in Italy, in Europe. And they are mixing it with basically everyone they come up against. Kev, Gasparini is behind all of this, but you've got to give Percassi credit for, I suppose, sticking with Gasparini and choosing Gasparini in the first place as well. Yeah, he's been given time, certainly time that he didn't get it into all those years ago. I think there's um, there's always these, you'll see clubs have a spell of five or six seasons where they're punching maybe not necessarily above their weight, but you know, you get, you get a group of individuals that the majority stay together. Um, and you just like to think that from the fans' perspective that are so passionate, um, in Bergamo that there is some forward planning for maybe when um, Gasparini gets too tired of it or a lot of the players like we've seen in, in Napoli lately have come into the end of their probably times at the club that there's that there's that long-term planning. Sometimes it just doesn't work because you haven't got the quality there or you don't, you know, you bring in the odd wrong signing but you'd like to think um, for a club like like um, Atalanta which is so well supported that that they can make it work for a slightly longer period than, than some seen in the past. Yeah, well, like you said, but Atalanta have kind of already gone through that that change. With the exception of Gomez and Toloi and Maziello as well, but Maziello even doesn't play as much this season. The rest of that starting eleven has changed. So you've got Galini in goal now. Last season it was Barisha. At the beginning it was Sportiello. The fullbacks went from Conti and Spinazzola to Cast. Stania, Hatabor and Gosens, two of those three. Um, in midfield, you had Gagliardini and Kessie. Now it's Siron and Freuler. Um, Andrea Patania was the front man. Cornelius came in as well. Patania kept his place. And now it's Zapata to Muriel. They've upgraded massively yeah, they, throughout the whole spine of that team. Yeah, and they, so they've shown that like, they're not going to sit on their uh, or rest on their laurels and, and allow things to go stale by people getting comfortable, which does you know, give you real um, hope or if not already given real hope that they're going to be challenging in the upper echelons of Italian football for a while. 
really encouraging thing as well is that they were offered big money for Duvan Zapata this summer and they turned it down. Um, Percati said himself that it was the type of song he never would have imagined turning down for an Atalanta player, but he wanted to keep Gasparini happy, so he did it. And you've got to say he deserves a lot of credit for for showing that support of his coach and long may it continue there. Um, Mario Pasolic has become important for them. Gasparini spoke about that in length. I've written about it a little bit. You can read that in the morning. Well, yeah, I want to give Jose Luis Palomino some credit as well because he's been amazing for Atalanta this year, or at least in, in recent weeks. At the, at the start of the season, he was a bit of a disaster. I remember when Atalanta were playing their home games down here in Parma, and there was one in particular against Fiorentina when he was dreadful. He probably, if he wasn't playing Atalanta, would have won that game. They ended up getting a point. He's really, really come on. And in midweek, he was phenomenal against Dinamo Zagreb. He was a complete wall. And this was just, I think, less than 24 hours or 36 hours or something. After having his first child, so you can't imagine he would have slept that much. He was fantastic again up in Brescia. Kev Palomino in this Atalanta team. He's, he's a headless defender, but if he's got someone with a cool head beside him, he can be a real asset. Yeah, so I, I haven't seen Atalanta enough over the last couple of weeks, um, really, to look at his improvement. It, you know, it, it was it was the, the mistakes he was making at the start. So maybe um, Vito should step in as your initial question was uh, aimed at him before you went you went silent, uh, Vito. Well, I did notice, yeah, in the start of the ga- season, he wasn't uh, particularly impressive. And when I went to... The Atalanta Shakhtar game early in the Champions League campaign, I didn't think that he was particularly good in that game either. There were times where he did play well, but I thought the goals in particular, he could have played a bit better. He could have dealt better with those moments. So I suppose that experience might have been a learning curve for him, although he's a pretty decent age himself. So it's important for someone like him to recover some form and perform well for Atalanta because uh, uh, Maciel is not a spring chicken either. So it's important that Palomino has some good games for Ladea and also give a young goalkeeper like uh, Golini some protection too. All right, before we move on to the next game, guys, we've spoken about the two teams who were in the quick question. The team with the most Italian players to feature this season. The number was 17. The team, Brescia. And the team with the fewest Italian players, the number was three. And this will surprise some people. It was Atalanta. I'm going to get three Italian players for them this year, which is quite something. Anyway, to the other game I was at this weekend, as Kev tries to add three to 17 and see what it gives them, is Parma-Milan. That was today, Sunday. Milan three points. They took it until the 88th minute before they got their winner, but Kev, Milan are terrible. Like, really, really terrible. Yeah, I saw the highlights of this one, and it looked like Palmer were battering them at times. Um, If it wasn't for wasteful finishing and um, you know, if if you like attacks breaking down early in the move, then Palmer could have been out of sight if they'd if they wanted to be. Uh, I think you're being... Right, based on that on the highlights package, to be fair, Milan should have been out of sight in the first half because Parma didn't show up for about half an hour. 
their fans were kind of joining in with not joining in they, they're doing their own protest but along similar lines of what our fans were doing yesterday and that kind of transmitted over onto the pitch because Parma just didn't wake up and despite Milan having a lot of the ball Parma made them look very good and they weren't. They, they weren't able to create chances. They were shooting from range. And it was problematic. And then when Palmer did venture forward, they did look like they could cause them problems. Like you say, Kuchka was excellent when he got the ball. Kuluzewski is always capable of causing problems. Um, and Dervinho was actually not as wasteful as he usually is. Although he did just run the ball over the byline, which he seems to do on a fortnightly basis. But yeah, Milan... Oh, where where to begin? But I said that they were poor. My little post match video afterwards, and I got some Milan fans giving out to me. But they were poor. Just because they won doesn't mean they weren't. No, I think. Well, we... no, go Vito. No, I was just going to say that. Yeah, we talk about with the top teams when they win, especially Juventus in the last few years, that they've uh, played some ugly football at times, or they're more cautious, but uh, they still managed to get the wins. Uh, Milan are struggling. They've won, but uh, probably in these circumstances, it shows that, you know, maybe things are just a bit fortuitous in this particular moment. But uh, since Pioli has taken over, uh, I don't think there has been much improvements performance-wise from Giampaolo, to be honest. No, I don't think there have been any, really, because... It's one thing, you're right to kind of point that out, but it's one thing to win badly when winning is already a habit. And it's another to fluke a win when you're one of the worst teams in Serie A. Kev, you're nodding. Yeah, I'm just, you know, but before I sort of hand it over to Vito, I was just going to say they're, they're playing the level of football that they've got the quality of players for. And I, I've said this week after week after week. And I was quite surprised that you said that after your, your post-match uh, stuff, you've got some Milan fans sort of contesting that. Because actually, when I'm sort of flicking through the social media, I've actually seen a few that have been fairly... Um, not OK, but, uh, you know, they, they've, they've kind of accepted that, that this is where they are with the players. And OK, that's not where they want to, want to be, and they want to see improvement. But at least they aren't blindly going, oh, you know, we should be doing better. We should be beating these sides. It's Palmer, we should beat them. They're, they're, they're quite accepting of the fact that they have got players that are a subpar for the level they want to be at. And it was it was interesting. There was someone said about the desperation to have Milan back at where they were, and we're probably talking almost a decade ago now, makes you believe that the players that they're bringing in are better. You almost believe the hype that is sort of built around them when they're purchased and all the marketing of, oh, you know, we've bought, so, signed Theo Hernandez and he's come from here and he's cost X amount of money. And they try and convince themselves that they're a Champions League quality player when, in in fact, in truth, they're a possibly a seventh or eighth position player. That's it, right? Because Milan aren't the fourth best team. They haven't got the fourth best squad, but they don't have the 12th best squad. They should be about 7th or 8th and trying to get higher. There's no way they should be down where they are. So I do think they're still underperforming, even though the players are worse than what a lot of people think they are. But Teo Hernandez, give him some credit, Vito. He's 
is Milan's top scorer this season with three goals, level with Christoph Piontek. Yeah, it's quite incredible that he's the he's up in the goal scoring, but uh, Theo Hernandez, he's probably been the best player so far this season. He's a left back, but he's probably one of the more impressive attacking threats. And, you know, it probably says a lot about the forward line and the midfielders if the left back's the best offensive threat. So, look, for Milan as a team in general, that's not a good sign, but uh, at least uh, Theo can say that he's putting in the effort and that's at least individually he's putting in the performances that show that he deserves to be in that Milan squad, whereas the rest of the team really need to go up several levels. Kev, what's the story with Christoph Pionte? Well, oddly, I was discussing this coming back from Verona last week with Dov. I don't, I've always been sceptical as he's whether he's the player that, again, Milan fans desperate for him to be. Um, whether he was uh, having a bit of a purple patch at Genoa, and obviously it did continue for for Milan ever so slightly. I don't think we can. I don't think we can blame it on the curse of the Milan sh- uh, number nine shirt, which he took over in the uh, in the summer. But um, yeah, when you've got a team struggling, I don't think he's at a level that he will sort of have that all round game to to dig it out for you. You've got to create chances for him. And I think if you're not doing that, as, as clinical as he can be at times, he's he, he's going to struggle. Yeah, and he he did. Um, but Akanchanoglu was quite good for a bit, and then really, really wasn't. Him and Suzo made the Tardini laugh out loud twice with two terribly scuffed, what whatever it was. It was a cross in Chalanoglu's case and a shot in Suzo's. But... Uh, um, don't really want to talk about Milan anymore because it was a bit depressing watching them be so bad. But let's move on to oh, Napoli. They they hosted Bologna and they lost 2-1. And another stat for you guys. Team coached by Carlo Ancelotti hasn't won for six consecutive games in the league for the, for the first time since 2010. Kev, Napoli are in a terrible state. They are, and I was um, I was oddly at Anf- well, I wasn't oddly at Anfield. I was at Anfield on Wednesday night, and um, well, they obviously was- played well. well uh, yeah, they they did. They they got ahead. You know, Mercedes took his goal very well. They clearly set up with to, to defend with five um, when they when they didn't have the ball. And after they scored, they defended fairly resolutely. Although Liverpool were were quite dour on the evening. But you thought that, regardless of the performance, coming away from Anfield with a one-one uh, draw. Um, might actually spark them into life because they've been poor domestically for the last few weeks. And looking at the result, because I haven't had a chance to see this, uh, the highlights of this game this weekend, it doesn't look like it's had that impact at all. No, it absolutely doesn't. But, Vito, is it time for a change? Has it all just gone a bit stale? Are the, the issues between Ancelotti and the board just too much to pay for over now. Do they just need to get rid of them? I think eventually they'll they'll have to because whether it's uh, the relationship between the 
play, the players and the board or Ancelotti and the board, there's just uh, there just seems to be just a big uh, disconnection and uh, even Ancelotti's tactics, I haven't been overly impressed with them. So yeah, I think he, he needs to go. So yeah, at the end of the season, at the latest, I think he's got to leave and they need some fresh ideas. Kev, do you find dog noises funny? I, I think someone needs to feed Rover. <laughs> um, have you never heard a dog bark before, Kev? No, it just uh, it just tickled me for it. To, it clearly wants to speak about Napoli and or Bologna. <laughs> Probably. Um, right, let's. We've, we've gone on for a while. Genoa lost 1-0 to Torino. Genoa had a lot of chances. They didn't take them. Torino took their one chance. They're sitting in mid-table, um, as you'd probably expect. Fiorentina lost to Lecce at home. Kev. Oh, no, I've said it before. And, and people, <laughs> people, people like to mock uh, the Italian league for the um, manager or the coach merry-go-round that sometimes takes place. Um, but why Fiorentina are continuing with Montella now is just beyond me. Um, you know, don't get me wrong. Again, I think it's a, it's a little bit like um, the Mi- Milan scenario where the players are not they're not a, a fourth or fifth best in the in the Italian league. Um, but yeah, then that's where the coach needs to get a, a bit more out of the some of its parts. And it was just like last last week in in uh, in, in Verona. Ribery must be tearing his hair out. He is so much above. You know that that should be their marker for how they've got to kind of step up and get close to his performances or his, you know, his his, uh, his movement. You know, his his his, his intelligence that comes with being a sort of an elite player. They're nowhere near it, and you know the passes that go astray to him and things. It's it's it must be depressing for him, and it must be depressing as Fiorentina fans that have lived through the years where they they were qualifying for the Champions League and things. Yeah, it's, they're only going one way at the moment. But anyway, that'll do. Cali play Sampdoria on Monday evening. This will be out before that gets played. Thanks, guys. Anything else to add? I, I would like to wish you a wonderful 30th birthday tomorrow. And I hope you have a right, lovely well, time. You're going to have to wait. You're going to have to wait another four years to wish me a happy 30th birthday, but I appreciate the sentiment. <laughs> oh, okay. Thank oh, you okay. very much, Kev. That's kind of you. Um, anything else to add, Vito? Don't wish me a happy birthday. Something else. Okay. Uh, look, uh, just to switch it <laughs> away from Serie I just quick mention that Italy um, have found out who they're playing in Group A, and uh, there's also a piece on the website that I have written about Italy and the three opponents, Switzerland, Turkey, and Wales. So have a look at that. Italy are going to finish third in that group because they're not (laughs) the best team in it. They're probably not even the second best team in it. So that'll be fun when everyone loses their mind. They'll still go through as third in the group. But yeah, head over and read that. I think they play twice in Rome. So that might give them a bit of a help. All three in Rome. Uh, yeah, yeah, they'll probably go through them, won't they? Anyway, that's all. We'll speak to you. Goodbye. Bye bye. Ciao, ciao. Cats, get your fingers out here.
Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 